Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I am the aforementioned Paul Kuharski here to talk Tennessee Titans ahead of Jacksonville Jaguars, the one game this season. We hope that we'll be played at Nissan Stadium without fans. Um, it's going to be an interesting Sunday afternoon based on some Titans developments. A game you certainly feel like they should win, but um, some things that put them in danger. We talked right out of the gate about depth on this team being the big concern. Nice starting lineup, nice frontline players on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and the places they're not the deepest wide receiver, certainly one of them. Boom. AJ Brown down with the bone bruise out of this game. Adore Jackson. We know is going to be out at least through next week with an injury of his own that put him on IR. Um, Cornerback also not incredibly deep uh, and certainly not incredibly deep before Christian Fulton is up to speed and he was playing behind Chris Jackson last week, the rookie uh, seventh round rookie as opposed to the second round rookie. Um, So some issues uh, on the injury front, also some issues on the kicking front with Steven Goskowski coming off that miserable game with uh, two misses, a block, a missed extra point. He did hit the game winner at the end, a chip shot. Uh, Redemption for the Titans. I don't know how much redemption for Goskowski, and if he has another bad game, the Titans very likely to be on the market looking for a replacement. So um, a lot of factors at play for the Titans as they go against the Jaguars, a team everybody figures is in contention for the number one spot, and Mr. Lawrence but Gardner Minshew looked awfully good in this game. Uh, Jaguars, a division opponent. That usually means trouble. It doesn't mean trouble for Derek Henry, who tends to run rampant on the Jaguars. Um, So I'll run through thoughts on my mind as the Titans head into this game. Uh, And I hope you've read everything I, uh, I have up at the site, including Blake Bettingfield's uh, scouting report heading into the game. Um, First off, left over from Denver, uh, Mike Vrabel said, and this is a problem, I need to look at the numbers here because I I remember it being too frequent last season where the Titans rallied to score the touchdown that they need. This one put them up, should have put them up 14-7, put them up 13-7 in Denver. And the Broncos marched right back to get the go-ahead touchdown. They made their extra point, put them up 14-7. Titans have a propensity to somehow defensively relax right after the offense goes and gets a touchdown and give back this response touchdown. Mike Vrabel said there were just some unusual errors during that drive that allowed that answer back. The Titans have to clamp down better at at those moments. If we see one of those this weekend, if we see one of those on Sunday, I will do some deep digging and start to work on those numbers of of what we see there. Those kind of drives can't happen. The Titans need to do some um, demoralizing with their offensive scores and then hold on the return uh, volley, so to speak. Um, and, And not, you know, obviously you want a three and out, obviously you want a turnover, Obviously, you want to minimize them, hold them to a field goal attempt, try to get them to miss a long field goal, you know, uh, at, at least have to settle for three points. You don't want them marching back and matching your seven. 
you certainly don't want them marching back and topping your six if you can't hit an extra point. An area to uh, watch. Return game. Titans are so anemic in this area. Um, the Titans' good special teams are very good. That obviously starts with Brett Kern. They cover fine most of the time. They do not give you anything in the return game. This is a problem that dates all the way back to the drafting of Adoree Jackson, um, who, who was their choice with the second first-round pick because he was going to cover well and also be a star punt returner. He obviously didn't do that. He got demoted out of it last year, which was the right thing. None of the answers after that were sufficient. Uh, Adam Humphreys is a very safe returner. He doesn't have the job now, nor should he. And Khalif Raymond should be a more explosive guy. We saw no hints of that in Denver. Um, I don't know about you. When the ball is in the air, I am not on the edge of my seat with anticipation. Uh, and I much more frequently expect something bad to happen than something good. The Titans virtually always get a penalty on special teams in a game. Um, and certainly they do that more often than they get something good to happen again, outside of the punting game kickoffs by Goskowski were very good in Denver. Those are altitude aided. We'll have to see how good he is at sea level in that regard. And again, that's the second feature of his job. Um, a contribution from the return game would be simply wonderful. Corey Davis is the number one receiver in this game. He's coming off one of the three best games of his career where he was super assertive, uh, really in control. He and Ryan Tannehill, whose game performance was actually underrated, were in sync. They were in rhythm. Davis was um, physical, strong-handed, catching the ball very well. He needs to pick up on that, but he <clears throat> was at least in some regards a beneficiary of the coverage that Denver, the attention that Denver was paying to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown will not be out there. Nobody's going to draw that coverage ahead of Corey Davis. Corey Davis may draw some of that coverage. Uh, can he sustain it? It's a good sign that Corey Davis ultimately didn't get an uh, injury designation. He's not questionable or anything. So he was on the report with a hamstring um, and maybe had a light day early in the week, but he is fine now or deemed fine for injury report purposes. Um, C.J. Henderson, the, the fine rookie cornerback uh, who had such a nice debut last week for um, the, the Jaguars, um, did not follow T.Y. Hilton of the Colts last week and the Jaguars impressive victory. So I would not expect him to follow Corey Davis around. So Davis will see him sometimes and other times he will not. Um, Davis needs to be the guy again, but the Titans have other places to go. Obviously still no Darrington Evans to be splashed into the pass game here. Um, but Humphreys had a nice, nice game last week. Uh, I think it was seven targets and six catches. That's a nice performance. He had a feel for the sticks. He was converting, converting, converting. That's what you want Humphreys to do. Concerned about that third wide receiver position, which I talked about throughout camp. Khalif Raymond's a good fourth. He's not a good third. 
uh, Nick Westbrook Aquina uh, concerns me. <clears throat> if he's on the field, and this is my prediction that I usually put at the end of this podcast, and I'm going to put it earlier than that. If they throw to him, he's going to drop a ball. If he doesn't, then he's come a long way from what he was doing during training camp. They like him. They think he's going to grow into something. He's not ready based on what, and I guess he got better during camp and into the weeks getting ready for the opener. But this guy was a drop festival during what we saw. Um, They're just too thin at the back end of wide receiver. And so maybe that means more tight ends, more Johnny Smith. If Johnny Smith is taken away and you're playing here against the Jaguars who have capable linebackers um, who are going to be targeting Johnny Smith, Jonathan Hutton on the midday 180 has said he thinks it's a Ferkser kind of game. Um, and that's entirely pop- possible. So maybe we see uh, – Ferks are emerge and he takes more receptions uh, to help make up for the loss of AJ Brown and the lack of a third and fourth wide receiving option. Um, somebody's going to have to do a little bit more than we expect there to help make up for something. If you're not familiar with this podcast or if you're not familiar with my site, I'm Paul Kuharski. I've covered the Titans since they were the Houston Oilers. I covered the last year at the Astrodome, the Lastrodome, as we called that season. Um, I moved to Nashville with the team. I'm in Nashville because of the team. Uh, being a member at my site only costs $5.99 a month. If you want to subscribe for a year, you get a month free. Um, I'd encourage you to join. It's the price of a, a fancy cocktail or a um, fancy cup of coffee. As far as I know, I don't drink it. Uh, Not going to make this too long of a uh, sales pitch, but um, I've got the most critical eye on this team. I'm the most well-connected with the decision makers. And uh, my tone and approach is different than anything that else is out there. So if you're the kind of Titans fan that has to have everything, You have to have the jersey of your favorite player. You have to have the pillow that goes in the right spot when you're watching the game, et cetera, et cetera. Then you've got to have a membership to paulkuharski.com. Come join me. You'll be in a private Facebook page where we discuss things, and it's uh, kind of a uh, place to chat. You get um, Periscope and Facebook Lives that are often private and very uh, not filled with jokers and trolls. Um, everything I write previews and reviews from Blake Bettingfield who scouted for the team for 19 years and on and on. It's well worth your while. I promise it. A lot of talk this week about goal line stands Titans, very good goal line stand. Um, almost the second one, but, uh, Jeffrey Simmons made a huge play on the shovel pass in Denver. He's clearly terrific down there, uh, moving well down the line of scrimmage to get to the, uh, the tight end who, caught the pass maybe regrets catching the pass um but uh, the titans are good at this uh and teams would be wise to get into the end zone from uh from further out 
because plays from the one yard line, particularly run run plays from the one yard line, are not very good. Mike Vrabel on goal line short yardage plays. Here's the meaning of short yardage and goal line. Somebody's got to whip somebody's butt and somebody's got to make a play. That's really what it comes down to. And that's what the, the Titans pride themselves on. They've got a special package down there. Simmons obviously is central to it. Nick DeZubnar was, was in for some of those plays and made a play on the one big goal line stand. I think it might've only played three plays on defense. They were all in, in the goal line uh, packages. And uh, so he's got a little role carved out for himself down there, but that's an area where the Titans are a very good defensive football team. Um, and you remember them making plays there last year against the, the chargers uh, in particular. Right. So um, Jaguars certainly would like to get in the end zone from, from a distance uh, a couple times in this game without having to go through Jeffrey Simmons um, and, and the rest of the Titans defensive front positional number flexibility is going to be an issue this week, I suspect. And I wonder what the Titans are going to do all season here. You know, we thought they'd probably be a four tight end team at times, but uh, Jeff Swain did not play. So they were a three tight end team. They were a four running back team. If you count the fullback blasting game, they had Henry and McNichols and Perry was up, but he was one of two guys that didn't play any offensive or defensive snaps. He and Chris Milton, strictly special teamers. Milton, a cornerback, played 13 special team snaps. Perry, a running back, played 14 special team snaps. So the Titans had three outside linebackers, which I was – somewhat critical of Clowney, Landry, and Correa. Correa, I think, played only 17 snaps, so that was asking a lot in the altitude of Clowney and Landry. This week, they could conceivably have five outside linebackers with Roberson and Beasley uh, back and, and practicing. So do you add those two guys to Clowney, Landry, and Correa and have five? And then where do you get those two roster spots? You drop a cornerback down from six. Fulton played the least last week out of the defensive guys with 41%. He's clearly going to be up. Milton, though, didn't play on defense and is a luxury as just a special teamer, though he's an excellent one. You drop an offensive lineman from nine. The rules say now um, on your game day 48, you have to have eight but they had nine last week, if I counted correctly. If you drop an extra offensive lineman, even with Jamil Douglas perhaps reemerging, um, you drop Perry or Milton uh, because they're strictly special teamers. These these positions by numbers, uh, I think, are going to be flexible week to week, matchup based, health based, all of those things. Um, but there might be more movement to it um, week to week than we've become accustomed to, even when the Titans are healthy. Um, three outside linebackers was a weird way to start it. And so something's going to change from last week. They're going to have at least four if they scratch one of those guys, if everybody's healthy, who's going to be? I guess it's going to be determined by how people practiced. 
but if Beasley's ready, they got to get him on the field. And so then I think you're asking how Roberson was. If Roberson didn't have a good week, he could be a healthy scratch. I don't know. It's pretty uh, pretty compelling storyline to me. Quick word here that uh, previous sponsor of this podcast, uh, because of many, like many businesses, um, is not in the business of sponsoring podcasts right now uh, because of the way the world's gone. So there's a opportunity here. If you, your company wants to sponsor this, me, I welcome you with open arms. Email me, pkuharski at gmail.com. Ryan Tannehill, the best thing I heard from him this week, that's my job when asked about taking control of the two-minute offense, setting the tempo, and uh, kind of exuding confidence during that. Try less and less to compare and contrast him to Marcus Mariota, but sometimes it's simply situation simply begs for it may have been Marcus Mariota's job. He may have felt the same way, but he did not come across like a guy who was asserting control and who felt like it was his job to take ownership of the team into crucial scenarios. Ryan Tannehill does that and certainly feels like a guy who understands the importance of doing that. And he did it in that two minute drive that got the Titans in position in Denver for the game winner by Gostkowski. That's your quarterback people be happier with him than some of you are. You should be. He played a very good game in Denver, a better game than most people think against the defense. That's probably better than most people think. The thing that was missing was a deep shot, right? The Titans big play was 23 yards and we've gotten used to seeing this team make big plays with Tannehill as the quarterback. And so in our conversation with Arthur Smith this week, the offensive coordinator, he was asked about the lack of deep shots. You do. I mean, that's the thing is you look in a game and, and a lot of times the defense has a say in some things. So we, we, we try to be aggressive. Um, that doesn't change, but again, you get, you know, the defense does have a say sometimes and you know, you, you look to have answers, you know, you, you don't want to sit there and throw in the, the bad looks or yeah, maybe roll over the top or something. And you, you know, you could be reckless and say, Hey, we're just going to throw a go into that and be stubborn or you can play the game and they're going to make you earn it. That's a really solid defense and a, and a good scheme. And they're, they got some smart players over there. So like I said, it felt like a heavyweight fight, 12 rounder, you know, they, they did a great job tackling. And a lot of times explosives happen on underneath stuff and guys break tackles. That wasn't the case the other night. And, uh, We'll do whatever we have to do to go win that game. And so, you know, that's what you want to hear. The Titans aren't going to force stuff. Now, every team's going to try to take away your deep plays. Every team's going to try to take away explosive stuff. You're going to find it anyway if you're good enough. A lot of the Titans' explosive stuff last year was not necessarily bombs thrown deep down the field. A lot of it was um, shorter throws that turned into big, big plays with great runs after the catch, particularly by A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith. We know A.J. Brown's not going to be there on the field, but we also know they can draw up some deep stuff for a Khalif Raymond 
for a Johnu Smith, for a lot of guys. And I would expect that they will be looking to find those splash plays and they'll know the situations where they can try to find them against this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. As long as the offensive line protects, didn't give up, didn't give up the sacks last week, but Tannehill still got jostled and hurried, maybe more than you would like, certainly more than you would like. Got to keep protecting him, give him time to let some of those plays develop, hope some guys win some one-on-ones and that he can hit them. I would expect they'll do better than uh, 23 yards for their long play in the game. At the end, I'd like to uh, leave you with some numbers, and I've got more, more than uh, more than I can handle. I am a big fan of uh, Inside Edge. I subscribe to their service um, and find numbers often that I can build stories all around or storylines around. Um, and so I cut and pasted several into my file here, and uh, I'm just going to hit you with a couple that I like in particular. Derrick Henry had 13 rushing touchdowns in the red zone last season. That's the second most of qualified running backs. The Jaguars allowed 19 rushing touchdowns in the red zone last season. That was tied for the second most in the NFL. Now, both teams have changed, certainly, but Derrick Henry had second most red zone touchdowns rushing last year jaguars allowed 19 tied for the second most that should match up well if you're on the titans end of this thing titans wide receivers averaged 5.4 yards after the catch last season fourth best in the league jaguars allowed 6.1 yards after the catch to wide receivers in the league second worst in the nfl so titans very good at it jaguars very bad at it Gardner Minshew averaged 3.6 pass attempts per touchdown in the red zone last season. I'll let that sink in. 3.6 pass attempts per touchdown in the red zone last season. Tied for sixth best. Titans allowed 3.4 pass attempts per touchdown in the red season. Tied for fourth worst. And I'll leave you with one more. Titans running backs averaged 9.7 yards after the catch last season. Best in the NFL. That's a remarkable number to me, and that is really inflated by Derrick Henry's 75-yard screen touchdown in Cleveland on the opening day because the Titans were not a great running back receiving team last year. We know Deion Lewis had a bad year. It was a bad signing. He's not with this team anymore for a reason. Darrington Evans is with this team as a third-round draft pick for a reason, but he's not healthy, and he won't be joining the Titans. Anyway, they managed to average 9.7 yards after the catch last season. The Jaguars allowed 9.2 yards after the catch to running backs last season. Third worst in the NFL. This has been the Paul Kuherski Podcast. I'm Paul Kuherski. I appreciate you listening. I hope uh, you have a great NFL weekend. Hope uh, you enjoy the Titans game on Sunday. I I hope you'll look to me at Paul Kuharski NFL on Twitter to provide you some color out of Nissan Stadium that you won't necessarily get from the fine Titans radio broadcast or the broadcast on television. 
and uh, then you'll come after that to read what I've got um, at the site and uh, after you get your membership you'll come catch the Periscope and participate in the discussion about the game after it's over appreciate you being with me check out my other podcast elsewhere uh, through 104.5 The Zone take care the Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. Mm-hmm.